It was direct and it was dramatic, very dramatic. I'm talking about the manner in which Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, confronted evil in today's gospel story. There, as we heard a few moments ago, we were told that as he entered the synagogue in Capernaum one day, he encountered a man who was possessed by an unclean spirit. And Jesus immediately said to that spirit, Quiet, come out of him. And the spirit was compelled to obey. Although it's very clear from the details of the story, the spirit didn't want to obey. Jesus did not waste any time. He faced this evil directly, head-on, and he disposed of it in very dramatic fashion. Every day, my brothers and sisters, we all encounter evil in various forms. We encounter lies, vulgarity. We live in a very vulgar society right now, unfortunately. Immodesty, greed, impurity, anger, unforgiveness, the list goes on and on. And very often I would say that God wants us to confront these manifestations of evil in the very same way that Jesus Christ confronted evil here. That is to say, directly, head on. He certainly wants us to do that whenever we find any of these evil realities within ourselves. But at other times, I believe, God wants us to deal with evil in a more indirect fashion. And we also have a precedent for this in Scripture because this was also the approach that Jesus took on certain occasions. For example, you'll recall the story of the woman caught in adultery back in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Very famous story. The scribes and the Pharisees brought this woman to Jesus. They told him that she had been caught in the act of adultery. That makes it very clear there was no doubt about this woman's guilt whatsoever. And they reminded Jesus that the law of Moses stipulated that such women should be stoned to death. And then they said to him, well, what do you think of this case, Jesus? They did it to trap him. Now, Jesus could have confronted them directly about their own sinful motives. They hated him, number one, and they wanted this woman's blood, number two. But that's not what Jesus did. The Bible says he simply bent down and started writing in the sand. And then when they persisted in their questioning, he stood up and said, Let the one among you who has no sin throw the first stone at her. Then he went back to writing in the sand, and probably at that point he was writing the sins of the scribes and the Pharisees who were standing there. And that solved the problem, because one by one, the Bible says, they all left. Then Jesus also took the indirect approach with the woman herself. Instead of reprimanding her directly, he simply said, I do not condemn you, you may go. But from now on, Avoid this sin. This indirect approach to dealing with evil has been something that's been on my mind for the last couple of weeks, ever since I read the book Unplanned. Some of you have probably heard of it, I'm sure. It's been on a number of bestseller lists for the last year or so. 
Unplanned is the autobiographical story of a woman named Abby Johnson, who was once the director of the Planned Parenthood Clinic in Bryan, Texas. Abby Johnson really wanted to help women in crisis situations, and so she volunteered for Planned Parenthood back in 2001 while she was still a student at Texas A&M University. She started off her work there as a volunteer, as a volunteer escort. Now, for those who might not be familiar with what goes on at these clinics, an escort and an abortion clinic is the person responsible for taking the woman from her car into the building, while at the same time keeping the woman from listening to the pro-life volunteers outside the gate who are appealing to her not to kill her baby. Abby, who ended up, unfortunately, having two abortions herself, she believed the lie that Planned Parenthood really wants to reduce the number of abortions by preventing unwanted pregnancies. So when she graduated from college, she became more deeply involved in the organization, thinking that this was a way for her to show compassion and love for women and to reduce abortions at the same time. I mention that because I want to make clear her intentions, at least to some extent, were good. Well, she rose through the ranks at Planned Parenthood pretty quickly, and she eventually became the local clinic's director. Of course, there were some things that bothered her, like the pressure she was receiving from her, her superiors to do more abortions and to do more late-term abortions to bring in more money. But what finally opened her eyes to the truth of what she was involved in occurred in late September of 2009, on the day that she was asked to hold the ultrasound probe on the abdomen of a woman during an abortion. She had never done anything like that before, but they were short-staffed at the clinic that day, and the doctor needed her assistance. So, for the very first time, through the miracle of ultrasound, Abby Johnson was able to see what really happens to a baby in the womb during an abortion. Needless to say, it was not pretty. Actually, as she describes it in her book, it was gruesome. So much so that when it was over, she dropped the probe fell out of her hand. She was so upset. She then left the clinic in tears. And where did she go? Where did she go in her anguish, in her distress? Well, believe it or not, my brothers and sisters, she went immediately to the nearby office of the Coalition for Life and to the people of that organization who had been opposing her for years, to the people who had been protesting and praying in front of her clinic. Now you might say, why did she go to them of all people? Why did she seek help from these men and women who had been her enemies for so long? It's because they had been nice to her. It's because they had prayed for her. It's because they had gotten to know her over the years 
and had treated her with kindness and respect. Now it's true, they did have conflicts with her many times over the years. But basically, her relationship with them was a good one. Let me explain that a little further. You know, on the very first day that Abby served as a volunteer escort in 2001, she said that she noticed two kinds of protesters outside the clinic. Those who were confrontational and those who were prayerful. And she said what struck her about the prayerful protesters was that they showed concern not only for the babies and their mothers, but also, incredibly, for the workers and the volunteers at the clinic. Well, as time went on, the confrontational protesters, Abby said, became fewer and fewer in number, while the peaceful, prayerful ones became more and more numerous. And Abby actually ended up becoming friendly with some of them. In her book, Abby said this in the chapter where she wrote about her very first day as a Planned Parenthood volunteer. She said, in the years to come, though I didn't have a clue at this point, I would actually come to value some of these pro-lifers as friends. I would witness a careful and hard-won shift in the techniques, tone, and character of the pro-life advocates outside the Planned Parenthood fence. By my first shift at the fence in September 2001, the Bryan Clinic had been providing abortions for about two years, and the pro-life movement in the area was in its infancy. Though I didn't know it then, I'd already met one of the courageous and prayerful leaders who would go on to shape the Coalition for Life, Mary Lisa. And one of the young college-age guys praying that day, Sean Carney, who would soon marry Mary Lisa and assume leadership of the organization. Together with David Barret, they would help transform the efforts here in Bryan into a powerfully positive pro-life force whose influence would reach across the country and other continents as well. These pioneers would replace the shouting with gentle conversation, the waving of ugly signs with prayerful vigils, and the hostility with a peaceful presence. They would also change my life. But all of that was yet to come. Marilisa, Sean, David, and their pro-life friends at that clinic confronted evil, the evil of abortion, with an indirect approach. That's why I mention it in the context of this homily. They discerned rightly that that's what God wanted them to do outside that Texas clinic. And because they had taken that indirect approach and reached out to Abby Johnson with such kindness and love, Abby was confident that she'd be accepted and helped and even forgiven if she went to them in her desperation, the desperation she was experiencing after assisting in that abortion. And that's exactly what happened. The members of the Coalition for Life welcomed her that day with open arms. The rest, as they say, is history. If you want to know more about that history, 
buy that book unplanned and read it. I can almost be guarantee you'll be glad you did. The direct approach or the indirect approach. When it comes to dealing with a particular evil, I would say the first step we are to engage in is to ask God to help us to see which of those two approaches he wants us to use. And then the next step is to act on the insight God gives us, like those pro-lifers did in Bryan, Texas. You know, the bad news is, my brothers and sisters, evil is always going to be there. It's going to be around until Jesus Christ comes again at the end of time. That's the bad news. But the good news is, we can do something about it. Directly and indirectly, if we choose to. And you know what? We must choose to. Because as Edmund Burke once said many years ago, all that it takes for evil to triumph in this world is for good people to do nothing.